It takes years to know what you're going to want to use to finish a project. Does it need an orbital polisher? Or will good old elbow grease do the trick? But now that you're an expert, you're going to want a provider that knows how to serve an expert. You're going to want Worth. And you're going to want to visit Worth.ca. That's W-U-R-T-H dot C-A. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the October 14th, 2022 episode of the Automotive News Canada podcast. I'm your host, Greg Layson, the digital and mobile editor at Automotive News Canada. My guest today is going to set the table for one of the industry's biggest gatherings. We'll find out what the number one concern is among suppliers, learn whether things are back to quote-unquote normal in the supply industry as most COVID-19 pandemic restrictions have expired, and we'll find out why the public is about to get a sneak peek of Project Arrow. All that and more about the upcoming Automotive Parts Manufacturers Association annual conference when I speak with the association's president, Flavio Volpe, on this episode of the Automotive News Canada podcast. Flavio, thanks for joining me on the podcast this week. Always a pleasure, a great time to be on, uh, given what we're doing next week. Yeah, and that's why we're here. We're going to talk about that. This is um, the first as close as we can get sort of back to normal APMA conference with no shadow of COVID really hanging around that you guys have held in about two years due to that pandemic. What's the response been like from your members? What's the mood at getting back to a sense of normalcy, not only from a a conference and in-person meeting standpoint, but from also being able to cross the border, meet clients, talk to people you have contracts with, all of that stuff um, that we're talking about now that restrictions have sort of receded. You know, there's a bit of excitement. Uh, yes, we did. Uh, we did a abridged conference last year. We tried it in Toronto. We did sneak in 200 people uh, in between two lockdowns. Uh, I think the lockdown opened. Uh, we did a conference and it closed about three days later. So I felt a little bit like Indiana Jones rolling under a closing door. This one with this runway, with the fact that we all know that we can do business, uh, kind of sets us back to what the APMA annual conference usually is. It's a great time uh, to do in-person networking, see other people in the industry, share ideas. And then also with that advanced time, set up those meetings that you that you need in the Windsor area or in the Detroit area. And so the response has been quite robust. Uh, we're very happy with, uh, with uh, people's excitement. Uh, part of it, it, of course, is uh, the sneak peek that we're doing on project arrow but uh, even before we revealed that uh, we're already uh, uh, real close to a sellout how have the restrictions affected the supply chain i remember early in the pandemic you know the border was closed you couldn't do business on either side it was a headache to be deemed an uh, an essential service where are we at are you still experiencing are your members still experiencing a hangover from those restrictions or has the industry recovered uh, well, it's important to note that that uh, volume of goods, uh, the shipment of goods was uninterrupted. Uh, certainly, there was um, uh, a special treatment for uh, exports and imports uh, in this industry. Uh, but you hit it right. I mean, people couldn't get together, uh, you, you know, CEOs and COOs and plant managers and and uh, lead technicians had to be declared essential before they could visit their plants in Tennessee. It was a crazy time for about a year where I can't tell you how many times we intervened on behalf of companies with uh, 
with the federal authorities to say, hey, by the way, I think you made a mistake here. I think you need to reconsider it. Uh, what was happening in those times is, you know, you'd have your customer in Kentucky say, um, I got an issue with what's coming from your plant and you need to get on it. And then we couldn't send people from here to there. Or uh, we had customers in Ontario and you couldn't bring in your uh, chief tech in from Indiana. And at the beginning, I thought perhaps federal officials didn't understand the nuances of how integrated we are and what that actually means. But the reality is that after a while, I began understanding the industry did too, that they didn't especially care. The list of priorities that they had put us firmly in 20th place. And so you had to manage. Part of managing is how much of that relationship do you let uh, get irritated or aggravated or deteriorated while we go through this? And then, or the flip side is, you know, do you hire uh, locally in those regions? Uh, chief techs? Do you uh, send your most important executives there for an extended period of time? Could you afford to do that? The people that you have, would they make that commitment? It was, you know, it was it, it was not an easy time for anybody, but certainly not an easy time in this business to be uh, manager of, of uh, HR and certainly not uh, the, the head of operations or uh, technical services. Is there a hangover? I think there's PTSD. You know, we're starting to see little stories of creeping up that, you know, there, there's a winter wave coming. And I think uh, I'm getting lots of calls to make sure that uh, we are active and vocal uh, with the feds, that we do not uh, re-enter into a, uh, a, a thick border again for this industry. So the two years have been challenging, of course, and there are plenty of headaches. What's the number one topic or concern your members have today heading into the conference what is it they want to talk about what is it they want solved what is top of mind right now doesn't matter what part of the business you're in uh, and at what level you're at you have an issue with the workforce it is access to pools of labor it is qualified pools of labor it is uh, training for that labor for the transition in the business and you have uh, competition probably for the first time from every single other industrial sector in the country. And, um, you know, and that's all three countries in uh, North America here. And so uh, where in the past you might have focused as we had on uh, training, or you might have focused on partnering with uh, provincial government on, uh, you know, uh, bringing in uh, new participants from communities that were historically not included. You got to do everything. Every company is doing everything they can to get people, to keep people. And in our business, you do not have the flexibility of giving people a flexible schedule. And so, you know, I look outside my office and I see a really big superstore. And that superstore pays $15.50 an hour. And the shifts are during the day uh, in a really nicely laid out uh, a store with a hot table and a gym and produce and happy people and you get to interact with them or do you go work uh shift work on a line uh for 17 18 19 dollars an hour these are the types of decisions that uh the labor market is currently having uh, to face right now uh you know entry-level positions especially in um, in office work for the first time uh, they're seeing that uh, 
the industry is seeing that people are requesting for partial schedules. And so all of that in an industry where you got to be at work or the stuff doesn't get made and it doesn't get shipped and you lose your customer is an acute short-term issue. But the long-term is, by the way, all those people we need to be at work have to now adjust to the next 10 years of a transition from um, internal combustion to uh, electric, intelligent, uh, high-tech mobility devices. And so, you know, a lot of other people are talking about, you know, how do we handle the transition, internal combustion uh, component manufacturers, how do we get into uh, motor castings, all those things, but every single company is facing uh, uh, a labor shortage and a long-term training issue. So we know what the problem is. Who's going to be speaking at your conference? Who is the keynote speaker and why did you choose this particular guest? You know, we've got a bunch of really interesting industry speakers who we've challenged all to speak to that and to the technology transition. I'd like to point to a few people here. You know, we asked Frank Voss, who runs Toyota Motor Manufacturing Canada. Uh, I think Toyota has a very uh, specific uh, viewpoint. Uh, You know, Toyota's leadership uh, on technology and the way uh, they operate has, you know, transformed, of course, the Canadian sector over the last 30 years. The way that they deal with uh, investments, they do them incrementally, uh, but they stick uh, to uh, the places they commit to. And, you know, they've got this this leadership in the reduction of carbon per kilometer uh, with their commitment to, uh, to uh, hybrid drive in the late 90s. I remember when all the celebrities were driving around in Priuses. And that, that was the big, you know, wow. There. To come and bring their perspective on, okay, how do you see the shift to zero emissions? And then how do you see that in the context of, uh, maintaining Canada's leadership position within the Toyota family on initial quality and productivity and efficiency. We have uh, Marcello Daria from Honda coming from a, another angle where, hey, by the way, Honda's had similar growth and commitment to Canada. Uh, they have a similar outlook on uh, what's doable in uh, transition to electric drive. The the plant in Alliston has been very quietly, you know, Honda and Toyota don't spend a lot of time uh, talking about uh, their business publicly for PR. They just they just put their head down and work. But that Alliston plant has been the launch plant for product for the last 20 years. If it's gonna if you're gonna give it a shot in in North America, Honda dedicates it to Alliston. If Alliston can get it right, then everybody else gets it right. I, I think that's a really important perspective on this idea that we're all going to go to 100% zero emissions by 2035. I mean, you and I have spoken about this on the record many times. I don't think we're going to get there, but we're going to damn well try. Uh, one of the other uh, interesting speakers is AJ Kochar from a company called Lysite, which is a, an incredible Canadian success story in the industries of the future, which will speak to really the type of labor opportunities there are and the types of uh, jobs we need to transition to. This company is the exclusive L partner of LG and of GM in recycling critical battery materials in the manufacturing process it is how do we you know we 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 talk about uh, ethical and sustainable mining part of that is where in the supply chain do we turn around and recommission reuse 
the battery materials pre-production and then, uh, sorry, uh, pre and, and during production and then also end of life use. And I think AJ's got a very, very good perspective there. And, and then, you know, you're going to hear from uh, Danny's Lee, uh, who is, uh, you know, uh, the, the folks down in Windsor will know Danny's as the face of the uh, Stellantis uh, LG JV on batteries there. This is the biggest investment commitment in Canadian history. And uh, he's the quarterback. And, uh, you know, what we asked him to do is kind of bring this perspective of doing something nobody's ever done in a place where nobody thought two years ago would ever happen in an industry whose market is still uh, theoretical modeling based and do it by a deadline and on a budget. And and. Uh, I think people are thirsty to 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 hear that. We've got a a lot of other speakers. Uh, you know, I think we're going to see um, see some some very important people come down from Queens Park and from uh, Parliament Hill. You know, it's just to to underscore just how important this industry is to the country and to the region, and and we're really excited. We'll be right back after this short break. It takes years to know what you're going to want to use for certain projects. People used to tell you you're going to want a foam gun, wash concentrate and eco-aluminum wheel cleaner. Or you're going to want a half-inch impact gun, air hose, and an impact socket. But now that you're an expert, you're going to want to go with a company that knows the best way to serve experts is with expertise. You're going to want Worth. And you're going to want to visit worth.ca. That's W-U-R-T-H dot C-A. Welcome back to the podcast where I'm speaking with APMA President Flavio Volpe. You sort of touched on this mining companies, uh, how important they're becoming and how the industry has expanded. Are there companies, mining companies on the guest list? And I ask because the investment in and around connections to the mining and the mining of minerals that are key to electric vehicles has increased. So has your reach increased and your guest list expanded in that sense? Yeah, I think you'll see uh, when you're at the conference that uh, you're going to see some representatives of some of the bigger uh, mining concerns in Canada, uh, both at the association and at the um, company level, as well as people who are very important in uh, analyzing, predicting and lending into that space. Uh, It is for us uh, the story of the we think the next 10 years where the northern reaches of this province, Ontario and Quebec, uh, especially, but also across the country, are going to be included in the discussion of the automotive supply chain, even if they're manning backhoes somewhere in uh, the furthest regions uh, of uh, this country. It's that that first scoop that leads to that EV that's being made in Brampton. You mentioned looking out 10 years. Can you even put into words how rapidly the industry has changed and morphed over the last 10 years, even five years? What's this experience been like over the last five to 10 years as technology hubs come online as suppliers, as mining companies come on as suppliers? Heck, we've done stories about greenhouse operators recycling or reusing some of their waste to turn into car parts. What has this small window of evolution been like in the supply chain? You know, I've been doing this, uh, Greg, uh, in one shape or another for the last 15 years or so. And at the front end of that, I was chasing foreign direct investment into the province. And, you know, you'd, you, you'd hustle for a year or two trying to land an investment, uh, an incremental uh, 
production investment, either in vehicles or powertrains. Um, if you landed it, uh, it, it's the legacy. It's, it's a career legacy defining, uh, move. Like, uh, when we convinced Toyota to open up Woodstock in uh, 2005, the last two years uh, where all the major jurisdictions in the world, uh, the, all the major sales markets have said, we're going to switch to zero emission vehicles. We talk mandates, we talk targets, we talk incentives, but we talk about doing it rather than talking about talking it has resulted in every single automaker in the world saying, oh, I'm going to beat the next company to uh, the newest EV launch in this segment. It is and now a scenario where in the last year or two, every single car company that all of us sell to, that all of us talk to about foreign direct investment is planning multiple billion dollar retools commitments new battery plants i've never seen so much happen at once with so many people uh and overlay that with the pandemic and everything that all the jurisdictions are chasing them have to deal with during the pandemic and post-pandemic from an inflationary and cost of money point of view it is like being awed by the whirlpool at the bottom of Niagara Falls. How close are you going to get to it for that crazy experience in it without getting sucked into it? And, um, you know, it, it is, it's constant, Greg. It is absolutely constant. And then at the back end of it is, okay, we're making commitments. We're making commitments on land and money uh, and uh, supply chains. But, that overarching piece of who's going to staff this? Where are we going to get? I can't tell you how many, how many conversations I've had with companies when they come to see me on FDI. I think they want to talk about supply chain components, costs, uh, dynamics. They want to talk to me about people. Are they available? Uh, are they trained? Uh, what's the turnover like? Who's training them? One of the things that we're doing here that we're, I'm so proud of our team is a digital learning platform that we call Driven. It's available to small and medium-sized uh, operators where it's, um, it is a, a technology-based, app-based uh, program where they can micro-credential. And companies put together a specific curriculum that starts with, hey, Auto 101. And we want new people in this industry. We're going to teach them what cars are built. And then through some of the compliance pieces like health and safety pieces uh, operating a, a, a forklift to very specific uh, courses, upskilling, work integrated stuff on how do you operate advanced technology within uh, the manufacturing environment? And then, hey, by the way, you might be a cathode, you might be going to work for a cathode manufacturer. They're very specific uh, things that a cathode manufacturer does, the handling of materials, the, the, the sequences. So we're doing that. It is, it is uh, our contribution to that space, and uh, we've got some great companies that are in that space right now uh, that helped us build it uh, in partnership with the province of Ontario um, that are going to be down at the conference, and, and we'll have a booth uh, in, the, the, in the, 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 the great hall where we are previewing our technology demonstration project, Arrow. Driven will be there. Uh, to demo that for everybody who thinks, how do I get, how do I, I mean, how do I answer the question of how we're going to train staff? Well, APMA members have a tool available to them that is, I think, groundbreaking. 
you just mentioned it, what might very well be the star of the show, Project Arrow. What is the plan for the all-Canadian, all-electric, autonomous vehicle built by members of your association? What's the plan? What a long way we've come, Greg. Uh, in the past, you've said I was the star of the show. Now we're talking about <laughs> an inner vehicle. I want to tell you, we <laughs> we put our heart and soul into this project. We're building, for your listeners who don't know, we're building a... Uh, 2025 model year compliant concept prototype called Project Arrow that demos uh, commercially ready Canadian technology and everything from the material sciences to the application of artificial intelligence in uh, drive of a vehicle. Uh, it is, we started our, it's a three-year project. We launched right before the pandemic uh, to respond to a challenge by the prime minister on what this industry could do to be uh, leaders in this, uh, in, in the climate race and the climate space. Um, we were on budget, on target, and we started our build phase a couple of months ago. You know, we went through the design and engineering phase and then the sourcing, and, and we never fell behind during a pandemic because we've had so many people in the industry, um, dozens of companies that were just racing to make sure that their component contribution was going to be there on time. and, and and my team gets to see it uh, every day over at Ontario Tech University, who's our build partner. Uh, the public got to see it as much as they wanted to with the Invest Windsor Essex, uh, Essex uh, virtual reality cave, but no one's seen it in person yet. It's going to be ready for uh, middle of December for uh, shipment over to the CES for the global preview uh, in uh, in uh, January, uh, but. What we decided to do was pause assembly for two days, bring it down there, and then, you know, uh, open up the robe a little bit so the public can see what we're working on without, you know, showing too much before it's uh, perfectly ready and everything's done, but that you can see uh, this car is not a rendering. It's not an idea. It's not bullshit. It is uh us putting on the table uh with confidence uh canadian technology leadership in uh zero emission e-mobility connected uh cars of the future flavio we are very excited to not only return to the conference but also to see project arrow up close and personally i look forward to that i know you do too we will see you in windsor on october 19th uh, we've got a preview of what's coming up on our website in terms of Project Arrow, so people can check that out. And I want to thank you for being uh, my guest this week on the podcast. Always a pleasure, Greg. I hope you heard my voice, how excited I am about next week. Looking forward to seeing you there and all your listeners. I want to thank Flavio for being my guest. If you'd like to be a guest on the show, have a suggestion, or simply want to comment, email me at glason at autonews.com. And remember, you can listen to all our previous podcasts on Spotify, iTunes, and Google Play, or on our website, automotivenews.ca. Just click the podcast tab at the top of the homepage. That does it for this episode of the Automotive News Canada podcast. We hope you'll join us next time. So long, everybody.